I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. From the Financial Times, this is Hard Currency. Brexit. What next? Or should that be what on earth next? A week after referendum day, we are in full-scale uncertainty on every front. Politics, the economy, the markets. Predictions are out of the window. We await the next turn of events with a mixture of awe, fascination and a good deal of horror. What certainties, if any, can we cling on to amid all this uncertainty? I'm Roger Blitz, and a warm welcome to Hard Currency, the FT's weekly podcast on the foreign exchange market. With me in the studio is Alan Wilde, Head of Fixed Income at Bearing Asset Management. Alan, how has your week been? Uh, Interesting, as you say, Roger, and with the number of uncertainties that you mention, I'm sure it's going to continue to be a challenging environment for all investors. We should talk about the immediate, the the short term. We've seen this this very big fall in sterling. And then the last couple of days, we've seen this recovery of sterling to some extent. What do you make of that kind of recovery? Is it sustainable? Well, I think short term, you could see sterling recover a little bit more. First of all, we're at the end of the quarter and the end of the half year. So I think there is some position squaring going on in markets right now. Beyond that, I think the markets have begun to anticipate a response from the Bank of England. So easier monetary policy and perhaps some further QE is already beginning to be priced in. And obviously that was reflected in sterling at the lower levels. So I think there's, to a degree, the markets are anticipating what the policy response will be, and that is part of the reason why sterling has fallen so far. But it's found a level, and until we know with more certainty what happens next, I think markets might trade around these sort of levels for a while. And that might take a bit of time, because we need to see Brexit's impact on the economy, on data, and and although we've had current account deficit numbers, they're actually pre-Brexit, so we need to give that a little bit of time. Will the market have patience for that? Well, I think the market will have to, as you say, adjust to a pre and a post Brexit world. And the data that comes through over the next few months will be interesting in the context that the so-called experts that were denigrated during the Brexit campaign may prove to be more accurate than some would like. And that might make for an uncomfortable period of time for both markets and and for some politicians. Mm -hmm. To that extent, I think it is the Bank of England's policy response that will be quite critical in providing comfort to markets. And provided there is that degree of comfort that the Bank of England is on the ball, then markets may well have a good deal more patience than we might think at this stage. But inevitably, sterling presumably is going to go further down. And forgive me for asking the impossible question, but where do you think it's going to go and how soon will it get there? Yes, we definitely agree with that outcome, Roger. I think at the moment where central banks primarily are on hold across the world, there is no obvious currency story to play from an interest rate differential perspective. The fact that the Bank of England will now have to be more aggressive, providing liquidity, adding to QE perhaps, maybe going back to the funding for lending scheme, probably also cutting interest rates, although my view is that they won't necessarily do that immediately, means that traders have the opportunity, I think, very clearly to trade sterling from the short side. So I I think 
if you look at the uncertainty, if you look at investor appetite for sterling assets, the one factor and variable that can adjust and should adjust in all of this is the exchange rate. And so that takes the strain for other asset classes. Just on the issue of, of how fast, I mean, to some extent, people were clearly shocked by the scale of the sterling's decline in the first two days, in the Friday and, and after Brexit and the Monday this week. To what extent do you feel now that we might get a bit of an orderly procession in sterling's fall? Nothing is ever orderly where there are shocks of the order of magnitude that we've just seen. So I, I think, you know, you should expect volatility, you know, whether it's of the order of magnitude of the 5% sort of swings that we saw Friday, Monday, I think remains to be seen. It probably depends to some extent on how events play out. You know, the politics, as you've mentioned, is a factor, but markets often don't respond necessarily to that degree of uncertainty as they would perhaps to an economic data release or or a change in policy. So I I think I'd probably have to go back to the importance of the stability of Bank of England policy being the factor that's more likely to drive markets. And, you know, assuming that the Bank of England does reasonably predictable things to make life easier for the UK economy, then I think the markets probably will not lurch from high to low as we've seen recently. Mark Carney is the technocratic prime minister then. Well, he, he, he's he's adopted a stance which is quite different to his predecessor already. He obviously has a press conference scheduled for today, which I think, in the scheme of things, is just reassuring for markets. Yeah. You know, he, he might say something that the markets don't like, but the fact that he's prepared to talk to markets yes. and talk to investors is, I think, designed to be reassuring, and I'm, I'm sure he will be successful. I mean, the other obvious difference between Carney and his predecessor is that he has responsibility uh, for stability uh, in the banking sector, which his predecessor didn't have. And therefore, the the angle that the bank is able to take this time round in providing comfort to investors is quite different to somebody uh, operating purely from a monetary policy standpoint. Now, if you were an investor in emerging markets, you would be used to seeing or, or making your decisions looking closely at the politics of a country, say Brazil or, or Russia or Turkey, you, you look at that very, very closely. But if you are an investor in the UK or in G10 land, you're probably not as used to the idea of following the, every political machination so closely. Does that matter? I mean, will you get used to it? Will, will those investors tire of, the, of every single political twist and turn in the UK? It's a good point. I think the the nuances uh, are going to be quite different. And and remember, we're dealing with um, a, a, a liquid, tradable currency here, not not a less liquid, volatile currency. Uh, so you know, yes, the, the the beta of sterling relative to currency indices may rise a little bit in the short term, but I I don't really see investors adopting the same stance as they have with emerging currencies. Uh, but, you know, the the, the politi- political dimension is a new factor. And to that extent, I think it does contribute to extra volatility. And so I suppose what po- politicians and Mark Carney are going to want is to see some sensible market behaviour uh, on the other side. Um, so it's a possible question, well, another impossible question to answer. But uh, how patient do you think the market is going to be as this plays out? I mean, we're not going to have another prime minister anointed until September the 9th. So can we expect the market to play this one out? Um, I think probably we can, because um, it's a quiet summer period, potentially, uh, in terms of news flow. Um, It wasn't last year, though, was it? (laughs) Well, this is true. Um, You know, I, I... 
there is certainty that we will end up with a new Prime Minister. What we don't know beyond that is whether we will have a, a general election in the near term, and that might complicate matters. If there is a strong sense that we go to general election and we have to rewind some of the decisions made last week on Brexit, then that will um, definitely add to, to, to uncertainty. And to that extent, you know, the markets could look at that one of two ways. Uh, they may then be more optimistic that the UK isn't automatically set for exit, or they may decide that we end up with a very different complexion in UK politics, which has to be re- repriced completely, yes. um, in which case you could have further sterling slippage. And uh, on the other side is the euro in this particular context. Um, do you feel uh, that has ominous signs? or There is an argument, an interesting argument, that actually Brexit is going to create greater European unity because, in a sense, a lot of countries in, on the continent has, have looked down the barrel, they've seen what Brexit looks like, and they think, we're not going to have any, any of that. Thank you very much. Well, uh, I was um, comforted in the sense that we've had enough um, change in the last week or so with the Spanish elections because I think had we had a significant political swing there that disturbed the markets, that would have been uh, an indication that potentially we'd set off a chain of events which could have created a huge amount of volatility and and added to the uncertainty about the Eurozone project. Um, So that's one hurdle out of the way. But you're right to say that we're going into a very difficult period for European politics as a whole because we obviously have upcoming French and German elections. And the longer it takes for the UK to invoke Article 50, the closer it comes to these major events and therefore the negotiations presumably become more difficult. It is our view that there are ripples from the UK, perhaps quite sizable ones, which could have an impact on the euro and on all things European. But in a macroeconomic sense, I think the ripples probably stop at the European border and the rest of the world will probably in a period of time not be impacted by this Brexit like issue. this argument of the quarantine around the UK and Europe? That, or Can you see ways in which there can be well, look, if, other if, parts? If the UK well. slows down in 2017, then there will be a knock-on effect into the Eurozone yes. and the Eurozone will slow down, but each ripple will be a little bit smaller. Yes. In that context, I think the, the world growth outlook is a little less optimistic than it was previously. Yeah but it won't make such a huge difference to the rest of the world growth. I mean, what China does with its exchange rate and other things is going to matter. And whether the Fed decides to push ahead with tightening is going to matter. And these two factors alone probably will outweigh any impact from the UK slowing down into Europe. Does it make it any easier to decide where to invest? Or is it just as... Fraught with complexity as it's been all year. Well, it's both. Volatility is is both an enemy and a friend. You know, investors will tell you that they like markets to move around because it creates um, opportunities to make money. And I I think that's fair enough. But um, equally, investors like some degree of certainty. And with so many unknowns at the moment, it is very difficult to know exactly how to play this. So I think a lot of investors that have made some money in the short term will probably look to square off. And then as things unfold, there will be future opportunities. What these opportunities are, I think we just have to wait and see. And uh, there has been some commentary around about how this isn't a Lehman moment. Investors taking some comfort from that, not that much comfort. But after all, the banking system, the financial system has been shown to be robust and standing up to 
such shocks. Central banks have moved quickly to make sure the plumbing works this time. So they, they have learned from the episode in 2008-9. There's not going to be a shortage of liquidity. So that's very clear. There could still be problems in other areas. I mean, you, you can't rule out the prospect that somebody has been badly hurt by the volatility that we've seen in the last few weeks. But no, I don't think we're going to see a replay of, of uh, post-Lehman. Yeah, central banks are on the ball and uh, it won't be the same type of crisis. It could be another crisis, but it won't be the same crisis. We will wait and see. Alan Wilde of Bearing Asset Management, thank you so much for joining us. At some point, we may be able to do a podcast about something other than Brexit, but right now, it doesn't feel like that's going to be any time soon. For the next instalment of Brexit and of Hard Currency, join us again. Here at Bellingcat, we get to the bottom of things. From a global crisis to an underreported event, we find the facts using publicly available tools and resources, uncovering what is hidden on and below the surface. We connect the dots using social media posts, satellite images, and public records, and empower others to do the same by sharing how we do it. The ability to do so is only made possible by our readers, supporters, and community members. Care to join us? Learn how at bellingcat.com. Next week. Goodbye.